Welcome to Attention to Detail, the classical music listening guide, where we give you the tools to understand, appreciate, and enjoy listening to classical music. Welcome back to Attention to Detail. This is Hannah, joined with Jacob. Hi, Jacob. Hey, Hannah. How are you doing? Doing great. How are you? Excellent. We're, we're on the orchestra's week off here, but we have uh, a very important member of the orchestra with us you, who's got a very big week coming up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, our guest for today, Austin Huntington, in addition to being principal cellist of the ISO, also the cellist in the Indianapolis Quartet. So... Welcome to the podcast. Tell us what you're doing next week. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, so I'm lucky enough and honored enough to play Schumann's Cello Concerto with the Indianapolis Symphony uh, with Maestro Gustavo Gameno, who's one of the biggest rising stars in the conducting scene. Uh, we saw him once before, and he, the orchestras absolutely loved him. So mm. it'll be an incredible concert, and I'm just uh, I'm pinching myself still. It's going to be, I'm looking forward to it. If, if our listeners are in Indianapolis, they should definitely come out. Come it's going to be Yeah. <laughs> All Schumann. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk about, I, I'm a huge proponent of Schumann on this podcast. I had to throw oh, some Schumann good. into this list that we're doing today. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was, it was a tough choice, but I, I settled mm-hmm. on one. But so anyways, our topic for today and the reason, of course, why we have you here, Austin, in addition to being a... Orchestral cellist, you play a lot of chamber music as well. I do. And we are talking about, we've, we've done a couple of our top lists so far, and today we wanted to do a very broad category. Maybe we should have narrowed this even, but... Mm. Too the, many options. There are too many <laughs> options, the category of chamber music. And as I was kind of thinking through my, my top list, I was realizing, honestly, how much I miss... Uh, chamber music being kind of like an equal part of my life to orchestral music and like I said how much stuff there actually is because it's just um, yeah I mean it's such a broad scope of things and in a way even broader than than the symphonic repertoire and and man I was enjoying creating this list but it was tough oh yeah did you have a did you have a tough time I did I so I I kind of felt bad about the list that I sent you because I, <laughs> there's no real Mozart and there's no real Haydn, which as a quartet cellist, that's kind of sacrilegious to not have those players on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you talk about chamber music, actually the chamber music that I'm drawn to is the larger form chamber music. So you'll see some octets, some Ooh, quintets, nice. some sextets. And so for I'll, I'll get into that later, but I, I kind of have tried to break down why that is and what I'm missing in a Mozart and a Haydn as important as they are. Yeah, I think that's, as we go through the list, it will be good to talk about, like, all the stuff we left off, but also why we chose these specific things. I actually took it upon myself because it was just too hard to choose five pieces. I tried to kind of fill out our list a little bit here and hit some other areas that that we didn't maybe hit. Perfect. But um, it should be said that hopefully this can serve as a beginning guide for Mm. people, recommendations, Mm -hmm. things to listen to, but there's just, as you said, we won't mention a single Beethoven, one Beethoven string quartet, but we won't mention a single Mozart string quartet, a single Haydn string quartet. Mm. Uh, So many piano trios are missing, and just there's a myriad of stuff to listen to. But since you're our guest... Why don't you kick us off, Austin? What's uh, you've got five pieces here you sent us. What what do you want to start with? Uh, well, being a cellist, let's start with Schubert Cello Quintet. Excellent. So, what is it about this piece that is there something you can isolate that you particularly like? Or yes, so this piece, if you're a cellist, this is kind of the holy grail of pieces to play. Um, for those who aren't aware, the it isn't five cellos. The Schubert Cello Quintet is two violins, viola, and cello, like a normal quartet. But then you add in an extra cellist, a second cellist. And so what that allows you to do, and you also see this with some of the sextets, is that the second cellist essentially acts as the bass line. So you get this fundamental deep tone, 
But then you also have the first cellist almost taking over for the first violin a lot of times and being featured as the soloist or the solo line in certain parts. And so what that allows is a lot of times before this, if you only have four people, if the cello gets the melody, then the bass duties are kind of relegated to the viola. Right. And so, and uh, for those who don't know, the viola is an octave above the cello. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't have the same depth. It's still beautiful because it's still a string quartet, but it doesn't have the same depth or just... It, it doesn't really feel grounded, really. Yeah. And so when in a piece like the Schubert Cello Quintet, it always has this kind of broad scope of colors of of dynamic ranges, everything, and I kind of, I, I attribute it partly to this, but there's also this beautiful part uh, right at the end of the exposition, right in the middle end of the exposition, which uh, the two cellos play a duet. You, I'm glad you mentioned this part, because yes. that's the part that I pulled, obviously. It's the most, it's the most like, uh, recognizable, quintessential moment in the piece, so okay. why don't we play it, and then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. So just a little taste, but a great two cello melody. It yeah, is. there's nothing like two cellos playing in, in in melody harmony. It's it's fantastic. I'm a little biased, but yeah. Well, no, cello is a good instrument. There, the, that will be a theme throughout this because you and myself we both picked some some uh, good cello solos. Mm. Um, one thing we we can say about Schubert too, which is is good for the listeners, is that Schubert. Often people talk about the length of Schubert and the fact that it. It, his pieces tend to be very long, but I think the opportunity for the listener in these really long pieces is to really have the time to, for example, do some of the techniques that we do on this podcast, really pay attention, listen attentively, try to hear the individual ideas. And so it, it's actually a great starter composer. I'm glad you chose this as your first one because it's a great... Uh, kind of way to dip your toe in the water of chamber music because it unfolds at a pace that's comfortable and yeah so excellent you want to go Hannah you want to go next sure um my uh foray into chamber music um has been very limited I think I know far more which is not much about orchestra music so um I do not have five um chamber pieces off the top of my head, but I did submit three that are my legitimate favorites. Um, so I think the first one I submitted was uh, Dvorak's String Quartet number 12. Yeah. Um, for me, I think the way I relate to music first and foremost is just on an emotional level. Yeah. So if something really strikes me emotionally that's that I enjoy, then it quickly becomes a favorite, and that's this piece. Um, there's something like so um, folksy about the yeah. way that Dvorak writes that is just so lovely. And I like grew up watching Little House on the Prairie and um, Sarah Plain and Tall, and this makes me feel um, sort of those warm, fuzzy feelings. Yeah, yeah. that's a really, that is excellent description of a lot of Dvorak's music, definitely this piece. I wanted to ask you for all three of these, mm. might be interesting just to know. Because you said you you do primarily work here with with orchestral music. Yeah. How did you find these pieces? What? Um, so I think beyond my my job working at the symphony orchestra, I um, enjoy watching film. Yeah. Um. So it's been really lovely uh, working in my job and um, watching films and and. It has perked up my ears mm-hmm. in a sense where, like, oh, that's some classical music right uh, there. What is that? Yeah. Um, so I just recently saw um, The New Little Woman. Yeah. And there was such a, a, a gorgeous score across um, the whole film. And some of the other pieces that, um, well, one of the other pieces that I have submitted is uh, heavily featured. I in the see. Film. Okay. Yeah. I see. I see. Because I'm just thinking of ways that our listeners can discover their own stuff. Yeah. And I think it's a great movie soundtracks. Also, there's some great 
just like Spotify, yep. classical music playlists and stuff, but it's a good way to, but it requires a little motivation, exploration, and yeah. going and listening to a piece. And I guess I would say right at the top of this episode, if you want to get into chamber music, whatever community that you're living in, there is a wealth of yeah. um, prevalence of chamber music. And sometimes a lot of it is either free or for a very, very low price. Yeah. That there are people in your your community that want to share it with you. And so um, my other, my third uh, recommendation is something that I recently saw live that gotcha. really moved me. Yeah. All right, well, well, we'll keep it in suspense. Sure. <laughs> Let's listen to a little... I pulled, it's it's hard to choose because all the movements of this quartet are good, mm. but I went with the, the last movement, which is fun for the violin, which I used to play. <laughs> So I actually have a question for you, Austin. (laughs) Perfect. So the way I pull the clips for this show is by going to YouTube and converting YouTube videos to MP3s and then cutting them and stuff. So I found this recording of the Cleveland Quartet, and the YouTube channel happens to be Austin Huntington. Is this oh, your is this yes. is this your YouTube channel? That might be my YouTube channel. <laughs> That's so funny. I was like, when I I might get in trouble copyright wise, but no, I won't. we won't tell anyone. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry. it's it's stayed up there for like seven years. Well, I think it's and it's one of those things where you know you find a piece of music that you love so much that yeah. you just want to share it because there's also a um, this is when I was like in high school. Yeah, and there wasn't a recording of Hilary Hahn's Barber Concerto. Uh, that's a very good recording. And it was one of those where I had the CD and I just I it was one of those where I didn't think about anything besides just sharing it with people. Well, hey, they're still up, so I yeah. think I think we're fine. There you go. Uh, we're not we're not proponents of copyright infringement on this podcast, <laughs> but everything that we use, we comment on and so it's it's Absolutely. it's fair use. No worries. But uh <laughs> Excellent, yeah. So we, we stumbled across your YouTube channel Perfect. pulling some clips for this. Go subscribe. <laughs> I haven't posted in like five years. That's perfect. <laughs> we're, we're resurrecting your, your old YouTube channel here. All right, well, I guess it's my turn now. Um, Jacob, what's one of the pieces on your on your list? There you go. Excellent. Thank you for, for queuing oh me up. Gosh. You know what? I'm going to give you a, a piece on my list that's... Um, uh, has a huge cello solo at the beginning, but also I think maybe the one that I feel strongest about as, for me, the single best chamber music composition of all time, which is... Ooh, those are fighting words. They are, which is the Brahms B major piano trio, piano trio number one. One of the reasons why I think this is one of the best pieces ever is that every movement of this piece is, like, sheer gold, in my opinion, but also the first movement is one of the best chamber music compositions that mm. I've ever, you know, that, that exists, I, I think. So let's listen to the cello solo uh, of this. My, my favorite performance of this cello, cello solo, I wonder if you can identify it. It's, it's a tricky one if you can I'm guess who the, who the actual cellist is, but, but this is one I recommend to all of our listeners. So uh, we're, we're trying to test Austin's knowledge of uh, famous. I, I this person I'd say is maybe 
top 20 famous cellist right now, but maybe not in the top 10, so we're really we're really stretching you. Okay, so I, I heard off, off microphone, I guess, trolls more, because yeah. something about the vibrato really kind of spoke to me for him, because he has this gorgeous, luscious vibrato, actually... One of the first times I heard Schumann concerto, which is what I'll be playing next week, was with Trolls Morgan. It was fantastic. Mm. But not to get off on a tangent, um, is it Sol Gabeta? No, not quite. It's it's a little bit different direction than this is not always how this cellist plays. But guy or girl? Guy. Guy. Dang. Um, Europe or American? Mm. Neither. Misha Maisky. Nope. Dang. <laughs> Think even further. In the Eastern Hemisphere. Oh, uh, is it John Wang? Yes, it yeah. is. John Wang. Yeah, Not, interesting. That sounds fantastic. It's really good Good playing on this recording with Maria Zhao Perez, or however you say her name. Uh-huh. Anyways. <laughs> Nerd! Excellent, but excellent piece. Regardless of what recording you listen to, I highly recommend this entire piece. Mm-hmm. So, without further ado, let's go to... Austin, your next one. Yes. Uh, so in the topic of big chamber music, this is about as big as you can get, but it's Shostakovich Octet. Yeah. Very different than the Schubert. And Definitely. For me, you know, whenever anybody talks about the octet genre, they talk about Mendelssohn's octet, mm-hmm. which is a fantastic piece, but to me is can get a little bit pedantic, which is a fantastic piece. If you haven't heard it, go listen to it. But there's something about this piece versus the Mendelssohn, which really... This piece is much shorter. It's only it's the official title is two pieces for string octet. Uh, the first one's kind of an introduction, very beautiful, very dramatic. It kind of features all the different instruments and similar kind of melodies, but in different ways that kind of speaks to their individual instruments. And starting the second movement, the second one's my favorite because it has this kind of insane amount of energy um, that is almost atonal at times, but then the, the, this driving melody kind of breaks through. But one of the coolest parts is, speaking of cello solos, that's the theme of today, it's actually yeah. not famous ch- chamber music pieces, but famous cello solos. Um, you have a cello solo opening the second movement that is wrote, written on the C string that goes up all the way to the end of the fingerboard only on the C string. And it has the most incredible effect. Um, it's kind of muted in a way, but the, the cello doesn't speak quite properly in that register, so it sounds almost desperate at times. And so it's one of those pieces also, you know, as a chamber musician or a musician who's played chamber music, your first performance of this piece is always memorable. Yeah. And so I was at Perlman Music Program, and this is our kind of, we were assigned three pieces throughout the summer, and this was the piece at the end of the summer, kind of the big piece, and we played this. Um, and everybody in that group, it's kind of everybody you're collegial with, but like everybody in the group were like my close friends and it completely fell apart in the performance. Nice. But it was one of those where <laughs> after that happens, you want to go back and you study the score and you get to know it way better than you ever could. And this is when we were, you know, 15 or 16 years old. So it's I have a, fantastic. I have a similar, I will, I won't, I'll spare our listeners, but I have a similar <laughs> Shostakovich quartet. Uh, falling apart in performance story. But it's easy to happen. We'll, we'll say that. I We were almost on the same page. I pulled a clip from the second movement, mm. but just after this, because I wanted to get some of the most Shostakovich-esque oh, yeah. sounding music from this piece, so, so we'll Absolutely. give you a little taste of this. Hannah, give me that what's your wild. what's your take? Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? Really different. I different. Not chamber. I think. <laughs> yeah. Like, not how I would describe chamber music. Right. I knew that that this would exist in the canon. Yeah. I knew that, and also it's Shostakovich. Yeah. So it makes sense. Wow. Yeah. What a like a absolute like blockbuster. Well, I'm glad that you included that and some of the other things you included because I think we we also want to emphasize that. Chamber music is not just just yeah. Mozart, Haydn quartets. There's mm-hmm. there's a lot there. So well, it kind of goes into the argument that you know 
chamber music, but also classical music in general, you know, it's kind of, I wouldn't say a bad rap, but it definitely, it has this stereotype of being, you know, relaxing, beautiful yeah. music. But my opinion of just classical music and in general, all music is not necessarily for just you have to have everything beautiful at the same time, but is to try to encompass all the emotions. Mm. And so Shostakovich, just for the listeners who aren't familiar with him, he there's a story that he basically had a packed suitcase under his bed at all times because he was terrified of being taken away by the Russian authorities back then, the USSR. Um, and there's this fear, there's one motive that comes back over and again, uh, this three percussive the bum bum bum, which yeah. is the KGB knocking on his door. Right. And Whoa. so there's this crazy amount of beauty in the first moment, and it's it's a tragic beauty, but then we get to the second moment, all this energy is not happy energy. It's mm-hmm. there's there's something angsty about it, which I think is it you feel it when you listen to it. Yeah, I'm I'm going right after, after this to, um, to go rehearse some Shasti Five, which oh, yeah. perfect. Similar KGB knocking on the door at the oh, end. Yeah. It's nerve wracking. After we wrap, I'm gonna listen to it in full. Perfect. Yeah. That's yeah. what we encourage all of our listeners <laughs> to do. So let's uh let's fly through some of these. Hannah, what's your what's your next one? Yeah, next um Schubert String Quartet number eight. Is this the one that was featured in Little Women? Yes. I think the Dvorak was also, but I, I knew the Dvorak before. Okay, because, yeah, I have to tell you, I don't think I'd ever heard this piece before. It's no? interesting. No, it's not. The I wouldn't... third movement, I don't know what you picked, but the the beginning of the third movement is... Mm. Interesting. So that's that's the minuet movement, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can see how that was in a little one. I didn't go with that, because there's a lot of... Interestingly, the minuet movement in, in a lot of Schubert, Haydn, Mozart, string quartets is a little bit dare I say, less interesting, uh, or, or they sound similar, but... Sure. Yeah, I, yeah. I but but I, I can see why it would be used, and also, it, when I listened, it was it was a, it was was a a particularly good one, so I, I noticed <laughs> why. But I chose a clip from, a little bit from the first movement, so we'll, we'll yes. listen to that. So thanks That's for introducing. It's oh, yeah. good. Thanks for introducing me to a new piece. I went and listened through this, and it was. Did you like it? Like yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's here's the challenge with um, probably part of the reason why Austin yeah, and myself didn't choose any particular sure. uh, Mozart or Haydn string quartet is they're all very good and they're all. Um, less d- 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 unique in their own characteristics sure. than pieces that were written later. Yeah. And so, because they had these very strict forms and conventions that they were adhering to, mm-hmm. and so to isolate one is hard, but in reality, they're all very good, mm-hmm. and so it's consistent. Yeah. I think that's nice to hear, not just for me, but for other people that are unfamiliar to, to chamber music in yeah. general to hear. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, I'll do my next one. Um let me do my let me do uh, the one that you already teased, which uh, which I actually chose. What happens to be one of my all time favorite pieces, which is the Mendelssohn Octet. Oh, I think it's yes. part of the remarkable thing about this piece. Not only I, I think it's a fun piece to play and it's a fun piece to listen to, but it's also uh, just he wrote this piece when he was like twelve or something. Oh, like he was yeah, super super that. young and. From that standpoint, it's very impressive. And one of my criteria for for this in general is every movement being really good. And I think the Mendelssohn is an excellent example of every movement in that piece is really fun to listen to and very good. So I pulled something from the fourth movement, um, but all of the movements I think are, are merit a listen.
Hannah, give us your uh, your last one here. Yeah, Beethoven String Quartet, Opus 18, number four. Yeah, excellent choice. Yeah. So I just was recently at a um, event with our development team here at the Indianapolis Symphony Orchestra, and we um, had a number of our orchestra musicians perform at that event, and they performed this piece, and not only was I blown away by my colleagues and their immense talent but just by the piece itself it's just and the way that um they passed um the piece uh between each other and to each other and then they played it all together it was just just a wonderful wonderful yeah. piece that i really enjoyed it's a very good quartet it's one of the earliest illustrations of beethoven's very famous what's called c minor mood and he wrote these all these pieces in c minor that are very stormy tempestuous the fifth symphony is that way mm. um the there's several piano sonatas that are stormy painful c minor works um so let's listen to a little bit of i chose us the, the beginning in fact is is stormy and yeah. turbulent so mm-hmm. we'll hear a little bit of that nice All right, so excellent uh, illustration of some stormy Beethoven there. I'm glad we got that in. So I'll do my next one. Uh, This next one is another piece that I included because I think all the movements are really strong. has an excellent opening cello solo. We're listening to too many cello solos, though, so I'm I'm not not featuring the cello solo, (laughs) even though it's probably the most memorable part of this piece, but that's Dvorak Mm -hmm. Piano Quintet. Um, there are a lot of really good piano quintets, and I partly included this just to, I guess I made my list before you sent me yours, and we already have some Dvorak, so maybe I should have switched this up, but it's okay, it's a good piece anyways, and I think our listeners will, it's a very listenable piece to, to start with, so I chose the beginning of the third movement, which is, as I mentioned, I think all the movements of this piece are, are fun to listen to, including the scherzo minuet third movement, which is, which is one of my personal favorites. So, excellent piece, uh, easy one to just throw on and, and listen to it in its entirety because it's so, so, so many hummable, recognizable melodies. Um, has a little bit of, like you said, the folk element, which makes Dvorak so fun to listen to. Mm. So, Austin, we're, we're coming back to you. Um, two pieces left. We've, we've maxed out Hannah's list, but uh, 
What do you have next? So I actually had to look because it kind of on the topic, there's so many good pieces that like I keep having new pieces that I didn't send Aww. you come to mind. No, I know. it's. But, you can yeah. take my two if you need to. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> I, I might steal them. Uh, but uh, there's a Brahms piano quartet. So Ooh. this is kind of departing from the piano quintet where piano quintet, you know, piano, string quartet. Mm. This is a piano and uh, violin, viola, cello, one each. And it has a very similar sound to a piano quintet, um, except the roles are a lot more easily defined because you have, you know, everybody kind of has a similar role, but they have their unique individual voice. And so for this one, this is the Brahms C minor piano quintet, which is number three. And again, there's a cello solo, so FYI. In the third moon, if you want one of the most beautiful cello solos of all time, this is it. Well, the first movement. We'll get to listen to it, because that's what I pulled. Yeah. Tell us, about, <laughs> tell us about the first movement. So the first movement, it's it's in C minor as well, yeah. which is what we were just mentioning about Beethoven's storminess. And this definitely has a stormy quality to it, but it's more it's more tragic than stormy, in my opinion. Um, it starts kind of very obscurely and then gets into this very strong myth- rhythmic. It isn't, it isn't really anything complicated. Um, it's just two chords that keeps repeating itself and then basically building on that two chords and kind of having, it's almost like when you see, um, the, the, I keep forgetting the painting's name, but it's at the Art Institute, the, the afternoon on the Grand Jate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the pointillistic painting, it's basically, yeah. exactly. So you, like, this is the opposite of what people usually do. It's where you start very close to it and you can see these, all these little dots, which is these two chords, a little bit of building up, and then you start walking away from it. Yeah. And then yeah. by the time you're at the end of the moon, you can see the full picture and it's like, holy crap, that's beautiful. It's an excellent, excellent yeah. analogy. So everyone go listen to the first movement, but we'll give them sure. the third movement here right now. I, I, I figured you would want to hear the third movement. Yeah. Always. Yeah, it, that's a absolutely beautiful cello. So I was actually, see, here's, again, we're just going to keep hammering this, I think, but I was pulling this up to, to listen to a little bit of it um, on the way, and the first and the third are, I think, the two mo- more famous piano quartets. Absolutely. I ended up turning on the second, and I listened, and... Oh my god, it's an unbelievable piece. Yeah. It's, oh my god. Like again, every movement just unbelievable. And so it's just like it was even more I thought of I I considered including it, but I didn't want to do two piano quartets. Well, actually, I listened to that one too because I I was in the same boat. Like I had never really studied. I had heard the second piano quartet before, but it reminded me exactly cuz Brahms and Beethoven were kind of two Brahms was a little bit terrified of Beethoven's legacy and so that's why it took so long to write his first symphony because also he was a perfectionist and kept going back and revising it Um, but the second piano quartet actually sounds incredibly like the fourth piano concerto of Beethoven a little bit, yeah. Little it starts bit. with a it starts with a piano introduction, both it, of them, it yeah, does. and they, it's they, kind they, of it's one of those similar things rhythm. Like, it's yeah. not. It's not. We we were mentioning off microphone about if you want to go jump into symphonic repertoire, there's um, a beautiful violin solo in the Brahms First Symphony that's very similar. This one is a little bit less similar, but it's it evokes very similar memories. I can see that. Yeah. That. Wow. And it was. It's just. It's such a good piece. I was. Mm-hmm. I was floored listening because I had heard it before, but I hadn't really given at the same time of day as the other two, and man, there's just so much good stuff. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're back to me, mm-hmm. I guess. Wait, I, uh, I figured we had to include some Mozart, and so I chose... This is a little off the beaten track, I think, but this happens to be, I think for me, one of the most pristinely con- constructed pieces um, in all of music. We were talking off-air about how it it seems like a lot of the best pieces are in E flat major. Oh, yeah. Here's another one, and it's just reminding me also of Mozart's Symphonia Concertante is also in E flat major, which I think is one of 
maybe the greatest, I, I often think one of the greatest constructed concertos of all time. But this is the Mozart E-flat piano quartet, and I think this is just, the, the piece is a model of perfection of everything you talked about. Each individual voice, um, each individual instrument has its own voice. It's tightly constructed, but also great themes, great development. So here's the, the beginning of, of Mozart E-flat. So for me, just again, yeah, as I mentioned, great constructed piece, but also so fun to listen to. Um, all right, we're getting close to the end here. But Austin, is this your last I think one? This is my yeah. last one, yeah. Uh, so this is uh, Beethoven, and we haven't really talked about Beethoven yet, but this is kind of his. This is where he shines, in my opinion, of being the most evocative, still having the most beauty, but also being kind of pushing the envelope the most these are his late quartets and so this one especially is very special to me because it's uh, opus 130 he wrote 16 quartets quartets yeah I can't re- is it 15 it might be 15 it might be 15 I, I can't I, I refer to him by the opus number so yeah, I can't remember that's the same yeah I think 15 but this is this is one of the later ones there's maybe one or two or three after this one but this is near the end of his life where he's you know, there's still some differentiating or differing scholarly opinions about whether he was actually, you know, going a little bit crazy and losing his hearing and everything. There's actually a new article that comes out that he could actually still hear through his left ear when he mm. died. So that's something if you're as big of a nerd as I am that you should go check out. But, <laughs> uh, but no, this one, this one is very special to me because it has one of the most incredible... I keep saying everything is the most incredible movement, but this one actually doesn't feature a cello solo, which means that it actually is probably yeah. the most incredible. This is the Cavatina, which is the fifth movement. This is, as you can see, you're expanding how long each work is. This is with... The version that I sent, Jacob, is uh, includes the original Grosse Fugue, which... We'll get to that in a sec, but because uh, it's actually its own piece now because it was so badly received by everybody, including I think I heard a story that even the Pope walked out or oh, some yeah. high-ranking cardinal walked out. That is dramatic. It is. Imagine just walking, and this is the premiere. It's a 50-minute quartet with the Grosse Fugue, um, and right in the middle you have this incredibly beautiful, it's um, called the Cavatina. It's just a, a simple song, but what Beethoven does, he has this beautiful kind of chorale beginning but in the middle he you know if you look at it on a paper the rhythm is very complicated and he kind of displaces the beat the the three the second violin viola cello are playing on the beat just regular eighth notes and the violin is it, the best way i've heard it described is somebody for example a birth of a child or you know you just feel this uh, that was the first example I could think of um, like grasping for air exactly grasping for air because there's this intense sort of like uh, your heart starts fluttering it's you there's this sense of you're trying to say something so beautiful and you can only get out little little chunks of it Mm. chunks is not the best word (laughs) Little snippets of it. And so it's it's one of those where it's the closest that I've come in a piece of chain music to actually having a voice, having having a song, where you can actually f- almost imagine somebody singing this part. And then right after, the reason I love the Grosse Fugue so much is right after one of these most beautiful moments, you have one of the most jarring finales up to this point in music history. If anything, it's this giant 15-minute fugue that basically bashes you over the head with the theme over and over again in the best way possible. Yeah. Don't know if there's the best way possible, but... I, I f- figured I couldn't include the Grosse Fugue uh, as a clip here because it's too long and you just need to listen to the whole thing. Exactly. I... Should we listen to the Cavatina? I actually pulled, because the Cavatina also, I think, is worth 
listening to the whole movement. It's only sure. like seven minutes long. Yeah, no, I'll, we'll go with what you chose because that's and, and kind of what you were saying. I love every single movement yeah. of this piece. So. And I happen to, this is hot take, but I happen to love the fourth movement, which is this like scherzo movement. And as we've already said a couple of times, or minuet, um, those can tend to be very impersonal, kind of standardized, and this mm-hmm. is anything. It's the most charming, but also a little bit off-kilter mm-hmm. dance movement. So let's listen to that, and then our listeners will go do their homework and, and listen to the whole Cavatina, because that's the Cavatina is the real showstopper. But mm-hmm. here's a little bit of the fourth movement. Yeah, so, I mean, what I love about that movement is that it could just be written as this totally standard, but you hear this, there's these little swells that make it feel very off-kilter, and it's, as you were saying, it's it's a little weird, like a lot of late Beethoven, but actually so fun to listen to because of that, oh, yeah. so interesting. It keeps yeah. your mind engaged the whole time, yeah. it's fantastic. This whole piece, and especially the Grosse Fugue, it's... Mm. It's a a challenging one, but a fun one to listen to. Mm-hmm. All right, so save the best for last. Perfect. We save the best for last because if our listeners have stayed with us up till this point, mm. they really get the the icing on the cake here. Because I've got what I actually might think I think might be my favorite piece of of chamber music in the larger sense, mm. and. Nobody knows this piece. It's like, this is, if you want, like, a, a awesome, like, ten levels above uh, a lot of people's classical music, knowledge, cocktail, like, piece to drop, here's the piece for you. Because this is actually, in its original form, for two pianos, two cellos, and horn, unpublished by Schumann. I, I said we were going to get some Schumann. Interesting. It is published in his opus uh, as a reduced version for two pianos, but the original version is much better. It's this piece called Andante and Variations, and it's unjust to only pull one variation from this piece, but oh my god, this is just the best piece that has ever been composed. And I encourage our listeners to go listen to the whole thing. Um, incredibly tricky cello part in fact there's two cello parts but but and super weird the reason why this piece doesn't have so much traction is because I don't know of any other piece that's written for two pianos two cellos and horn it's a weird combination but here we'll listen to a little bit of one of my favorite variations but here's the one if there's one piece well go listen to all these pieces but from my end if there's one piece you're gonna go listen to I highly recommend this one. it's hard to even find a recording because it's so so not well-known. Here's a little taste. So I I recommend this. This is one of my personal favorite variations in this piece. It starts very placidly, and then here it picks up all this momentum. But we did a mini-sode a few weeks ago on Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star and the variations there. If you want to hear a variation clinic and just like 
just masterful composition, this piece, this piece. Maybe you could listen to this as a psych up for your Schumann cello concerto performance. Right yeah, there you go. <laughs> Excellent. All right, well, so that's our, our list. In the end, we gave 13 pieces. Um, but I think, as we mentioned, there are so many more. Um, and it's a genre of chamber music that we have probably neglected too much on this podcast, but uh, in, in doing this review, it's been reconfirmed to me, as it has been many times, that it's, it's uh, uh, certainly a worthwhile thing. Can you talk just for a sec about, because you're a chamber music yourself, I think one thing that people would be interested to hear and one thing that uh, I always struggle with as a conductor is the level to which in orchestral playing, you have so much less freedom in a way than you do in chamber music. Can you talk about like what it what it is like to play chamber music? Sure, it's actually an incredibly freeing experience because with orchestra, which is you know what one might consider your day job, uh, it's yeah. it's one thing where there's a sense that you're part of something much bigger, and you have this glue holding everything together in the conductor, um, and so essentially you are playing your individual role in it, and you kind of live to serve the music. Whereas with a chamber music piece, you have a lot more freedom, and so you can create more artistic decisions on behalf of yourself. You can work more directly with the, the musicians in the group. I remember we um, the, the quartet that I'm in is actually going to Carnegie in two weeks, and so we've been kind of like tearing apart the Debussy quartet, which is the, the big blockbuster piece on the program. And in the third movement, there's this beautiful, beautiful kind of it's it's the epitome of French music where it gets worked up and then just very mellow, very kind of relaxing in a lot of ways, but tragically beautiful. But a lot of it is kind of figuring out how to make that come across. And so if this were an orchestra piece, the conductor would say, you know, let's we want to make this happen. Uh, we want this color, and then it's up to a principal like myself or the bigger section to basically say, okay, well, technically, what do we need to do? Do we need to change the bowing? Where in the, the bow do we need to go? That kind of stuff. Whereas with a quartet, it's basically like, well, what exactly do we want? And so, you know, those, those same decision-making processes are still part of it, but you kind of take the responsibility of coming up with the colors yourself. Yeah. So there's, I mean, I appreciate both, but I would say, you know, playing chair music, there's... Even com like the, the Schumann concerto, you have your interpretation, but in a lot of ways, the less people, the more intimate it is in terms of your musical decisions. Yeah. It's kind of a necessary evil, unfortunately, and one that I personally have committed myself to fully in my career choice, but the idea that when you get past a certain number of people, whatever that may be, it's certainly past an octet, but somewhere between 8 and 16 people, you kind of get to this critical mass where there's too many opinions, there's too many differing ideas, and like a business or something, you know, in a business, if you have a business of four or five people, there can really be kind of a cooperative structure. Once you get between 8 and 16 people, you kind of need a manager. You need someone who tells people essentially what to do. And, um, and that's kind of a necessary evil and it's one of the things that that's ultimately what the conductor kind of has to do because with a orchestra of 60 80 however it may be many people it may be if you open that rehearsal process and you know up to anyone it's going to be chaos you're never going to get out on time everyone has their own ideas and so out of necessity it becomes kind of one person's interpretation the interesting thing about chamber music is that as you said i'd encourage our listeners to go back and listen to our episodes on live performance because the interesting thing about chamber music is that a lot of what you can listen to in addition to the piece itself is the performance decisions. Mm -hmm. And you can do that with orchestras too, but it's a much more refined type of listening. In chamber music, you can really hear raw decisions of timing, expression, all this kind of stuff. And so when you speak to musicians about chamber music versus symphonies, if you talk about a symphony, more often than not, you say, oh, do you like this piece? Mm -hmm. Blah, blah, blah. If you're talking about chamber music, often you say, do you like this 
ensemble's recording of this piece? Do you, There's a much more individualistic voice in chamber music where these pieces can be performed drastically differently, whereas in the symphonic repertoire, it's not that that doesn't happen, it's just on a smaller scale because of the necessity of the situation. And so I think for our listeners, give these pieces a couple of listens. Listen both to the music and do our techniques of listening attentively and hearing ideas and all that kind of stuff. But also then, when you feel comfortable enough, listen, go back, listen to those episodes on performance decisions and listen to different recordings different, and see how the performers are making all of these interesting musical decisions. I think it's a especially fruitful arena to do to do that in. Well, I'm not to butt in, but... Uh, <laughs> no, please. There's, there's also something that, you know, if you have a string quartet, it's a lot easier to do spur-of-the-moment decisions yes. in the concert, which is why, you know, I would encourage, if you don't necessarily have a chance to go to a symphony orchestra, which I encourage everyone to do, go see chamber music, mm. because, and you can see it two nights in a row, and each night, I know in our quartet, and in a lot of quartets, our quartet is, you know, a little bit more on the uh, adventurous side, let's say. Uh, we like to do a lot of last notes up bow. That's, yeah, it's not that adventurous. <laughs> but, but essentially, you know, it's, you can go two nights in a row and if you're really paying attention and letting yourself be transported by the music, you might find yourself in two different yeah. worlds two nights in a row. Yeah. And that's, and we've, on this podcast, we still have, we've, uh, neglected to finish our performance series because we, we were going to and we still will, I promise. We'll have a soloist on at one point who's visiting here to talk about we split listening to performance into three categories. One is just technique, but the two musical categories are musical decisions and artistry. And the idea in the, that kind of split is that one of them is determined pre-performance, one of them is determined kind of post-performance. And so the idea is that you can make a lot of musical decisions. Some of those come in an orchestral rehearsal as well. But then the artistry element is this kind of spontaneity or in-the-moment stuff that you bring to a performance. And that is harder in an orchestral setting. You can do it, but in chamber music, you can see that very tangibly. And in the moment, you can see people make eye contact and be like, let's take a little more time here. They do it. And so we, it's a good teaser for an episode that we'll, we'll have coming up as well. Yeah. It's been so great to just sit here and listen to the two of you talk back and forth about chamber music. And I think that there's so much to be excited about when it comes to classical music yeah. in general. Thank you so much for yeah. being with Thanks us, Thanks so Austin. much for having me. As always, we're going to we'll include a link in the, in the show notes with a playlist of all the stuff we mentioned mm-hmm. hit up Austin's YouTube channel let's yes. let's get some views on his, <laughs> his YouTube channel <laughs> gotta earn that non-existent ad yeah. money exactly exactly <laughs> and tour 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 next week with a show yeah good luck I'm so excited it'll be fun if you're in Indianapolis come say hi yes yeah alright thanks so much for listening as always and we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon take care thanks For more information about this podcast, you can find us at attentiontodetailpod.com, where you'll find a list of techniques presented in these episodes and a two-week program for starting your own listening practice. You can also find us on all of your favorite social media channels. We encourage you to follow us, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and if you enjoy the show, please give us a rating. We hope to see you soon at a concert.